Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. One of the things I really hate that I see all the time are people applying secular political labels to the internal struggles in the church. They don't really work, but we see it all the time. But sometimes those labels are applied by our enemies to the internal struggles in the church with a rather malicious purpose to paint those of us who want the same faith as our ancestors as some kind of great villain of history, in the same manner that the secular types use certain nasty labels to paint the enemies of Moloch and the Leviathan as some of the great monsters of history. Let's talk about how one figure who is the voice of Francis among normal people in America and Western Europe is using those same labels and same strategies for a specific purpose to rally the modernist lay faithful to attend the Synodal Way meetings in your parish to ensure that your local parish fully embraces the next phase of the modernist revolution in the church. That figure is highly influential, Massimo Fascioli, the Italian journalist who writes for the Vatican and for all things Francis with a target audience of the typical American Catholic who has invested just enough in the life of the church to want to read about the faith and the happenings in the church beyond going to Mass on Sunday. The man is highly influential and has been bringing his talents to bear against faithful Catholics for some time now, and his approach now is particularly nasty when we consider the implications. So let's get into the story. Massimo begins by talking about secular politics and how the party of Moloch, as I call them, is doing nothing to stop their opponents from dominating local contests and offices, while they themselves focus on national strategies, which are meaningless if the local offices are held by the opposition. He compares this to a curious term he keeps using, Vatican II Catholics, which is an odd admission in itself, where Vatican II Catholics, as he calls them, meaning the kinds of modernists we see all the time at masses, demanding the liberalization of the mass and ordination, the supporters of Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church, and even those who think that Ted McCarrick is a living, walking saint who has been targeted by Satan, meaning trads, and that he is just another Christ-like figure in our time. Now, for the record, that last example is represented by an extreme minority of voices, but they do exist. But Massimo is trying to make a point here, and he has a lot of sway among the bishops. His point is that all the work of keeping their revolution in Tiara and Cope going from Vatican II onwards is being threatened by what he calls a Burkist and reactionary side of things. In other words, by the kinds of people who watch videos like this, and the bishops that are at least okay on most issues most of the time. These are the kinds of bishops who don't make headlines very much. According to Massimo, quote, During the last three decades, Vatican II Catholicism often became complacent and saw itself as the inevitable future. It did not need to see to invest resources in the younger generations of clergy and those working for the institutional church. But on the other side of the spectrum, neoconservatives, first, and neo-traditionalists, later, skewed basic teachings toward objective proofs in Catholic lore. Wow. Sites like EWTN, Church Militant, and others ramped up these basics and made them ideological for a popular audience. Controversialists like Richard John Newhouse and Michael Novak did apologetics with a sophisticated gloss for a more cultured public. These efforts converged with an quote-unquote Americanization of conservative Catholicism, for which I strongly recommend Massimo Borchesi's latest book, Catholic Discordance, which has just been translated into English. If you think that neo-traditionalist anti-Vatican II Catholicism is an ephemeral seasonal affliction, you are wrong, especially in some countries. Just look at the ideological tendency within the majority of the U.S. bishops and the young clergy. 
Conservative Catholic apologetics has a vision both at the quote-unquote universal level that reaches through the media and new media, see Bishop Robert Barron, and at the local level. Observe what is happening in places like Denver, Colorado, the crown zero of the Catholic hard right in the United States today. The local ordinary, Archbishop Samuel J. Aquila, last year felt entitled to publish an unseemly quote-unquote open letter to his fellow bishops, especially those in Germany, warning against the German quote-unquote synodal path. How did right-wing Catholics, angry converts, Catholic Barthians, Burkists, Francis haters and company, a minority of voices, happen to scream the loudest and wield such influence with ordinary Catholics and their kids? Catholic Twitter is not the church, for sure, but it is part of the church. However, Catholic Twitter isn't the problem. Rather, it's the simplistic, objectivist, ap apologetical training that right-wing Catholics received before they discovered social media. Liberal Catholics are wrong if they think they can counter conservative grievance only with a different kind of grievance. Amateurs talk strategy. Professionals talk logistics. This is happening in the Catholic Church as well, I'm afraid. It is mostly local ecclesial experiences that determine the dynamics of Catholicism. End quote. I really detest this comparing the crisis in the church to secular politics. Things are much more complicated than those broad brushes he's painting with here, but he is working towards something. No one goes to the synodal path meetings in the church in America, or very few do at any rate. That's what the early reports have. Please, if you can go, go to those meetings and make your voice heard. Demand reverence and worship, the hard truths of the fate toth, and resistance to modernist Rome as the rule we have to live by till the problems of our time pass. Massimo is trying to get his Vatican II Catholics, as he calls them, to go to the synodal meetings and push hard for further so-called reforms. His example of Bishop Aquila warning against the excesses of the German synodal way is revealing. Massimo has been long been a supporter of that movement and has offered harsh criticism to anyone who objects. And I've covered the German synodal way extensively for you to know that that is, a, that is an incredible thing for him to be a big supporter of. Since the Council, for whatever reason, Catholics across the board have invested less time and treasure into the Church itself. This is all related. Maybe it's a consequence of the freewheeling nature of the Church after the Council, best embodied by Francis's who am I to judge stuff. Maybe it has to do with secular pressures that have successfully kept Catholics in many countries from forming social bonds that might be troublesome to the stonecutter rulers who work in opposition to the faith. It could be any number of reasons that have caused this. But it is true. Compared to our forebears, the typical Catholic invest less of him, themselves into the faith and into the church. This is something that Massimo is hitting on here, and so is someone he certainly wouldn't approve of, Bishop Thomas Gullickson, the former Apostolic Nuncio to America. A report from Gloria TV said, gives us what he means by that statement. Quote, Many Catholics for over two generations at least haven't had much of anything invested personally in the faith, retired Nuncio Thomas Gullickson said during a January 16th homily at St. Lambert's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Many identify as Catholics without giving any evidence of what that might mean in their everyday lives. I'm talking about living the faith so as to give witness to its truth and beauty to the world around us, he explains, remembering how, over 50 years ago, his parents witnessed to the good wine of our Catholic faith. His comment, I miss that as a general pattern in our families today. End quote. Massimo in his piece is hitting on something true. There is an internal war going on for the heart and soul of the faith, and we fight it among those who have invested little of themselves in the faith or the institutions of the church. If you need an example of that, if you attend the Novus Ordo Mass, ask some people you might know a little at Mass during, af during the after Mass Holy Donut Hour, as I always called it, they have ever gone to a Protestant worship service and see what they might say about that. More of them will admit to doing that than you'd probably like, despite the church still saying that it is in fact a mortal sin to do so.
but it is tolerated by the bishops because they know this happens, and so are countless liturgical abuses at every Sunday Novus Ordo Mass because the giving of God worship due to him isn't the focus anymore. It's the preservation of their revolution. That's why rampant bad behavior from laity is permitted. It's why widespread invalid reception of the Eucharist is permitted by those who haven't darkened a confessional door in years. It's why the laity adopting postures during Mass reserved explicitly to the priest is allowed to happen with a, with barely a whimper from the hierarchy. Many of these bishops are far more concerned about those of us who want the faith as it used to be practiced before their greatest council of all time. And for them, that's a problem. But this all points to something bigger. The liturgy wars are always the hot news these days, and they are part and parcel of this synodal mess that we talk about constantly. Several days ago, Father Claude Barth, writing over at Rurate Celi, reminds us of the unjust nature of these restrictions on the Mass, in the future ones that are rumored to be coming in the next six weeks or so. They all point to something related to what Bishop Gullickson and Massimo are saying in their respective pieces, that a certain vision of the Lex Arandi is at stake, a certain vision of what it means to be Catholic is at stake in our time. According to Father Barth, quote, Be that as it may, if these interdictions are obeyed, there will be no longer baptisms or marriages in the traditional rite except in personal parishes, and pending the bishop's agreement at that. And furthermore, this time with no possible exception, no more confirmations or ordinations in the traditional rite. This law is clearly unjust from a pastoral point of view, and also because of its doctrinal motivation. The traditional liturgy allegedly is no longer an expression of the Lex Arandi, a fundamental point we will address in the future. Therefore, to reject it is a right and, considering the object, even a duty. But what is the basis for this right and duty? It is the people of God in the name of the census fidelium. It is clear indeed that the determination of the faithful is of the highest importance. It remains the case, however, that when it comes to baptism, absolution, receiving the consent of the spouses, giving extreme unction, and administering confirmation and ordination, it is the ministers of the sacrament who are, by, necess by necessity, on the front line once again. Once again, indeed, because in the years following the reform of Paul VI, the Tridentine liturgy survived only because of all the priests and parish priests who continued to celebrate it. Then came as a determining factor Archbishop Lefebvre and Bishop de Castro-Meyer in Brazil, and the priests he, or they, consecrated. This is great and very concrete priestly and then Episcopal refusal had a significant impact, as we all know. It started a process of progressive tolerance, then followed by a recognition supported by Cardinal Ratzinger Benedict XVI in the shadow of whom the Ecclesia Dei communities developed for the greater good of souls in service to the Church. And now, albeit without useless provocation, the priests who have emerged from this process and the bishops who support them must undertake a similar great refusal, with prudence and firmness sustained by prayer and grace. What is at stake here is the continuation of the Lex Rondi and the salvation of souls." End quote. Which brings me back to Massimo's way of framing this whole problem. He likens it to secular politics, a strange left-right divide that makes some sense in the secular world, I guess, if you only view things at a superficial level, but makes little sense in the church when looking at the Trad versus Vatican II, Catholic versus Novus Ordo Khan versus the rest of the church divide. There are a great many nuances that are at the heart of what is going on in the church that this divide Massimo's painting for us makes little sense, but his mission isn't to tell the truth. He wants to use the same logic of the forces of Moloch in the secular realm to paint the enemies of the modernists here in the church. Consider this. What nasty labels are people who wore those red hats with that slogan on them back in 2016 to 2021 subjected to? Or anyone who might have sympathies with that block of secular folks? We hear some nasty terms applied to them, and Massimo has used them to, point with a, to paint with a broad brush traditional Catholics in a very similar way with a similar purpose. To other us. 
And why? Because the real goal of the modernists in Rome is to push traditionally-minded Catholics to the peripheries, to force us out of mainstream Catholic society. That is evident by the decree in Traditionis Custodis, to restrict the Latin Mass to faraway locations on the fringes of most dioceses, and to ban our ability to advertise when those Masses are in parish bulletins. Massimo is himself one of the public figures with deep ties to modernist Rome. He is one of those figures that when he speaks, he is more or less doing so with the voice of Francis of the late Cardinal Martini, of Pietro Perlin, and the rest of coterie of villains that run the institutions of the Church today in modernist Rome. His goal is to get the middle-of-the-road bishops to side with Francis in this internal war in the Church. He may be successful at that, too. If you want to see these stories for yourself, check out my sources website at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this channel with a .org at the end. All my sources are in the post with today's episode title. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Is Massimo acting to use secular methods to tar and feather traditional Catholics, and if so, to what purpose? Let me know in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.